All right, so let's go ahead and get started. The name of my presentation this evening is The Doctor Will Tweet You Now, Social Media and Online Professionalism. If you're on Twitter, you can find me at Sarah underscore Mojarod. Would love to interact with you after this presentation. So the agenda for today is to first and foremost define e-professionalism. From there, I'm gonna be sharing some examples of professional social media use. I'll describe some common pitfalls that I see and finally, I'll close with some tips on responsible use for social media. So just a little bit more about me. Um, I do have a faculty appointment at the University of Southern California in the School of Engineering. I previously had this joint appointment in the School of Medicine where I was teaching medical students on the issues and opportunities with social media and how to really use these different platforms to um, in a professional context to further their careers. So before this, I was at the California Institute of Technology where I co-created the first full-length um, course that was dedicated to science communication in the context of social media. And so my academic background is I have a BA in psychology from Boston University and a master's in communications from Northeastern University. So I define e-professionalism based off of this um, definition that came out from the University of Edinburgh. It says the way you engage yourself online in relation to your profession, including the attitudes, actions, and your adherence to relevant professional codes of conduct. So the way that I see this is you basically wanna be thinking about aligning your offline professional interests um, in terms of your online activity. So making sure that those two things really align. What I find so interesting about medicine is that most other professions, if you think about it, they can pretty much clock in and clock out of their professional identities. But for you, it's a completely different story. You are going to be seen as a physician, whether or not you are in scrubs, you're on call, or it's just the weekend and you're off. That's why I think you are in a position where it's important to be mindful of your online activity. So let me share some examples with you of professional use of social media. I saw this one recently and absolutely loved it. Here, Dr. Camille Claire is sharing in this tweet on the bottom right-hand corner. She says, I wish to share with you an example of the power of Twitter mentoring. A pre-med student reached out. We did a mock interview for med school. She is now accepted to UT McGovern Med School. Congratulations. And when you're active within med Twitter, you will see these types of interactions and these types of experiences. So it's just always great to um, see how this comes to fruition and how many people benefit from it. And I think that if you have an established platform, whether it be on Twitter or any other social media platform, make sure that you're using it to amplify other people because these smaller voices, they tend to add significant value, but because they don't have the audience, they may not be seen by most people. So this is an example from a medical student in India, and he put together this fantastic 
thread for World Anesthesia Day. And it was just, it was phenomenal. So I really wanted to make sure to go out of my way to see this and highlight why it's a great case and why it's a great thread. So if you have a platform, if you have a major voice, I encourage you to do this. And we're seeing more and more often that the professional use of social media really includes diversity and inclusion. And there are so many powerful voices in this space. So I'm gonna play this video for you. I hope that the, uh, the audio will translate because it's really good. So if the volume didn't work here, just in case, um, she's saying that you go into fields where people look like you. And I think this is a really powerful and important message for um, minorities and black folks in STEM and in medicine. And you can find these voices throughout social media. Um, let's see. And professional branding is an important one as well. Um, if you take a look at how people present themselves, they can put together these really polished presence on social media. And this is just an example I found this evening. This is a pharmacist. And if we take a look at what she did here with this tweet, this has been a popular tweet going around where people say how it started. And it's a picture from when they were little or when they first started a degree program and then how it's going. And so this is a fantastic example that illustrates professional branding. And you can use social media to engage new audiences too. So this is Ian McLaughlin, who is a um, scientist. He's a brain scientist and he uses social media to engage the public about brain science. So I'm gonna go ahead and play this. Sarah, um, yep. I think it's going in. Maybe it's the fact that you have earbuds in. It's going because we heard it for a second and then it's gone. The other one we didn't hear. So could it be going to your earbuds? Um, possibly. I, de I definitely hear it in mine. Okay. But we don't hear it, just FYI. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what he's explaining here is what a preprint is and why the public should instead look at the whole body of research and the field instead of focusing in on a single preprint. So... And I love this quote from Dr. Jen Gutner. She says, I knew social media was where my patients were and getting accurate information to people matters, especially as most of us are prone to believe the first piece of data that we collect. So this really speaks to the point about being on social media and having a voice and engaging the public. And now more than ever in 2020, this is especially important. 
So depending on what audience you'd like to engage, you can engage the wider public or you can also use social media to engage people within your specific discipline. Um, I love seeing tweets like this because oftentimes people who are unfamiliar with Twitter will say, how much information can you really pack into one tweet? Well, it turns out you can put a lot of information in there. So let's go ahead and break this tweet down. So you see here, these are highly, highly technical and specialized hashtags. So they're going to have the same amount of attention and the same amount of use as something that's much more popular, say a hashtag around politics or popular hashtag like uh, med Twitter. But what you will find with these hashtags is a very specific type of audiences using them. So if you were looking for collaborators or to build your professional network in um, a very specific field, using hash hashtags like this would be a great idea. So what he's done here is he's tweeted the um, article title. This is a great thing to do if you have the character limit and the space to do so. But what I like most about this is he summarized a key point from this article. And this is a great thing to do because it will um, garner attention from your audience, but it can also serve as a reminder to you. If say you read tons and tons of manuscripts and articles every day, you might not remember what you read. So if you put it in a tweet, if you put that key point there, then you can refer back to this in the future. He's included a link to the publication, which is very important because your audience will love information if it's put up front. So they don't wanna do much searching. There's a figure here and he's tagged all the authors in this. This is also a great strategy to do if you're building out your professional network because people love to see that their work is having impact. More often than not, I see folks who are um, having these really great discussions with authors of papers. So having that amount of access is tremendous and you can only find it on social media. Um, it also flattens hierarchies, and I love this tweet. So um, Carlos Del Rio says, Twitter flattens hierarchies and allows discussions that are hard to have in real life. It is also a great way to hear about new papers and studies and allows sharing articles and commenting on them. And so what's great about this tweet too, is he's actually tweeting from a conference. So you can have all these interesting discussions and you can be virtually engaging um, a audience at a conference. So um, really cool ways that Twitter can be used. Not only that, it's becoming a platform where you can engage the media and get media recognition. So Elon Schwartz, here, he had been tweeting about um, his field and his area of expertise, and the New York Times had actually picked up one of his tweets and used it in this article. So you never know who's looking and who's paying attention. And to that point, that's why professionalism really matters as well. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the common pitfalls on social media. Um, one thing that you should be aware of is this concept of white coat marketing. 
don't typically see it too much on Twitter, but this is something that's very common on platforms like Instagram. And this is a term that I came up with. And so I define white coat marketing as misusing the prestige and influence of one status to sell a product or service. So this is a practice that we commonly see with some of these social media influencers. And I think that it could jeopardize the public's trust and medical professionals, especially when the product is something like a diet supplement. Um, so just be very mindful of this and making sure that you're not engaging in this type of activity. When I encounter medical students, when I was um, had my faculty appointment at the School of Medicine, oftentimes I would encourage them to think about their long-term strategy and their long-term plans because having these agreements and worrying about your follower count in the moment might seem important, but in the long-term in their entire careers, this might be something that um, isn't necessarily folding into their bigger plans. Not only that, White coat marketing reminds me of something in the past that I think younger generations don't really appreciate. And so in the past, physicians have uh, promoted and endorsed things like cigarettes. And so these types of ads and definitely violated the trust of um, the public. So we wanna make sure that we're not seeing a resurgence of this because of social media. And there have been incidents that have come up in this realm. So for example, Botox's rival last year took a bunch of plastic surgeons to Cancun, paid for everything, and just asked that on Instagram, they used the hashtag NewTox. Well, it turns out that they didn't disclose that the drug company had sponsored this trip. So ethicists were very concerned about it. So one area too that comes up is posting about patients. So you really want to make sure that if you are going to be posting a patient's story or information about them, you do two things. Of course, you receive consent from them, but you also want to make sure that in your social media post, you're disclosing that consent because oftentimes people on social media will see these types of posts and say, did you get permission for it? So making sure your audience knows in advance is a really good strategy. But more than anything, I think it's important to prior prioritize patient privacies and let them tell their own stories. So if you're ever in doubt of a piece of content, don't share it. And Infighting on social media is unfortunately becoming more and more common. We're spending so much more time on the internet that it's bound to happen and people are getting very upset, understandably so, and venting and taking it out on social media. So this was an interesting came, case that came up earlier this year involving the worm C. elegans. There was some major infighting within the scientific community and I think that whether or not you're aware of this whole incident, this line, this first line in this top tweet really summarizes 
the whole area of professionalism well. It says, it's like people forgot Twitter is a public platform that reflects also on their professional life. So just keep that in mind when you're engaging people. And really the best way to approach social media from a professional capacity is to pay attention to how you're feeling. If you find yourself getting really upset about something, then that might be a good point to take a step back and um, put down your phone, walk away from your computer just for a little bit. So now let's talk about some tips for responsible social media use. I think it's important to recognize a sea lion and make sure you ignore them. So a sea lion, if you've never used this, heard this term, is someone who engages on Twitter asking bad faith questions. So they've already made up their mind about whatever issue it is, and they are just asking you questions to either um, upset you or waste your time. And so this was just from earlier today. You can see that sea lions are out in full force, and it's almost something that you encounter on a daily basis depending on your field. The way that I like to think about social media is that it's like a game of table tennis. And these two pictures are fantastic because they're actually from a publication from 1968. And it's just, it's so perfect and so relevant to today. And it says, interactive communication consists of short spurts of dialogue, filibustering destroys communication. So remember this when you're posting, you wanna make sure that your audience has the opportunity to engage you and that you're also responsive. Very important to, once again, I think my, I think my headphones just went out, let's see. We can hear you, we can hear you, we're good. You can hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, great. Um, so in terms of patient privacy, this is something that I think is really important to consider. Um, on the right, where Dr. Ashley Alker is her tweet, I love that she says here, remember patients through their stories. I do. You should see my patient notes, but you can't. Um, I think that's a really good way to summarize um, how your approach on social media should be. And in fact, if we take a look here over on the left, I went ahead and removed um, this person's name and also any identifying information. But this was a tweet that was sent today by a physician. So he's standing there in the hospital and his patient, they're showing matching socks. So this is a little bit concerning because we don't know if um, informed consent was received for this and whether or not um, you know, this person knows he's being put on Twitter. So avoiding any photos that could reveal private information about a patient. This is a stock image, but oftentimes I'll see tweets with photos that are taken from the hospital. And if you were to zoom in a little bit, you could possibly see some um, PHI. So I always say err on the side of caution and maybe don't take pictures within the hospital. So the role, the modern, the online role of the modern physician, I think is to act as a source of credible information, foster trust and understanding with the public and patients, serve as an ambassador, ambassador to your field, and avoid any activities that could potentially decrease the public's trust in medicine or science. 
So trust has come up a couple times in the slide. And I think that this summarizes the importance and how the scientific community can build trust. He says, always go by the data, admit when you don't know something. And the goal is not to show how smart you are, it's to get people to understand what you're talking about. Words of wisdom here. So tips for social media use, focus on presenting credible information, err on the side of professionalism. If you're new, and typically I say that if you have under 5,000 followers on Twitter, use hashtags, use them in every single tweet. This is gonna help you build your audience and it'll help you target the right audience as well. And don't be afraid to engage others online. After all, this is social media. So have fun while you're doing this. Engage others with kindness and respect. Share photos because people love visuals. And be bold if you're new. You want to be trying out different strategies and seeing ways that you can engage your audience while you have a small following. Because as you gather more followers and expand your reach, this will become more and more difficult to do. So thank you very much for your attention this evening. I hope this was a fun presentation. You can find me on most social media platforms. Um, if you would like to connect directly, my email is mojarod at usc.edu.